Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Pray with me, please. Father, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for every day. We give you thanks always. Our hearts are grateful hearts. And especially, Father, as we are approaching this season of Christmas, we are so grateful, Father, for the love that has been shown to us, especially in your Son, Jesus Christ. We are grateful, my Father. We are so grateful that we can celebrate him, that we can worship him, that we can adore him. Oh God, you have so loved us. And so this day we bow down before you and I pray that you would give us your word, Father. That you would give us your word, that we may understand it, that we may receive it. And that we may acknowledge it is from you. Be with this your church. And be with me, your pastor. My Father, do as you please. Inspire your word in us. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. So today is the third Sunday of Advent. You know, I don't know how everyone looks at Advent. Maybe you look at it as just uh, a time before Christmas, a church thing. But I, I, I think Advent is such a mighty and wonderful season. It really is a, a wonderful opportunity if you allow Advent to do in you that that it's intended to do. On the third Sunday of Advent, the focus or the thing that I am going to be focusing on is the, the issue of joy. And our banners indicate today's the day of joy. The, uh, the clip that I just showed a moment ago tells you that it is the day of joy. Uh, we have looked at hope on the first Sunday of Advent, and I preached to you a, a sermon on hope. And I also preached to you last Sunday, the second Sunday of Advent, I preached to you on love. And on hope, I shared with you the difference between faith and hope. And I think it's important that we have that difference. And in looking at love, I, I was so blessed myself in preparing the sermon to, to come to understand the enormous love that God has for us. A love that is infinite. And one of the things I said to you last week was that God is as much love as he is almighty. And God is as much love as he is infinite. Because God doesn't just love us. God is love. It is who he is. It is who he is in his being. And I was so truly blessed in preparing the sermon and delivering it to you uh, because it also calls us to love as we have been loved. And so today, um, my focus, I want it to be joy. 
But I want to remind you always, because I want Advent to become important in your hearts, that Advent, the four Sundays of Advent, or the season of Advent, helps us to look back. It helps us to travel. It helps us to travel back over 2,000 years ago, and in our thought, in our imagination, in our heart, in our faith, I want us to travel in Advent all the way to the first time that the star first appeared on the east. And I just want you to imagine that you're one of these wise men, one of these magis that are always looking at the stars as the stars reveal to them signs of things to come. As if the stars are things that God paints in the heavens to tell people on earth what to look for. And you have these magis, these men, possibly sitting around with family and friends, and all of a sudden there is a star that appears in the heavens that is like nothing they have ever seen before. And one of the things about this star is that it's not stationary. It's not just a light there, stationary, that appears night after night. This star, in moving, is beckoning them to come with it. And they leave everything that you can imagine. Home, jobs, friends, whatever occupied their time, and they leave it so that they can follow this star, which clearly is going to lead them to a king that was to be born that would be above and beyond every other king that may have been announced by any astral manifestation. This star was so different and so special that they were to follow this star. And just imagine with me the journey. It was not an easy journey of one day or two days. It is a long journey that is leading them through territories that I wonder if they've ever been to. No GPS. Their GPS is the star. And it's guiding them to a place they have no idea where it is. They have no idea how far they have no idea which direction. They just know that God is leading them. And they follow and they come to what eventually they think by seeing the star turn south and east and west and all of this, they eventually believe that it's going to be in Israel that this king of kings is to be born. And we know in the story that Matthew tells us that the star didn't just stop over the palace. The star kept moving to a little town, which I told you in my first sermon, Bethlehem means the house of bread. And Advent, Advent kind of makes me feel like a little child like a child that travels in my imagination and views all these things happening 
And then in that journey, I can see Mary pregnant almost nine months with a baby, with her husband riding away from their home to the place where their ancestors had lived before, the city of Bethlehem. With all the difficulties, with all the the things of pregnancy, how uncomfortable she must have felt, riding on a donkey, not comfortable very much. And they journey, they journey toward a place that everything is going to meet. Heaven is going to appear. Shepherds are going to come from the wild. Magi are going to come from the east. Mary and Joseph come from the north. And it's all focused on that one little place called Bethlehem. And Advent makes us close our eyes and imagine. And we, in fact, travel with them. So Advent makes us look backwards. But Advent also says to us, celebrate today. You are the Magi today. You are the Marys, and you are the Josephs, and you are the shepherds. And it's leading, the stars still leading us to a day chosen in the calendar, December 25th, for us to celebrate the day that our Lord Jesus Christ became fully man and was born and was laid in a manger. And we are invited by Advent, and we are looking forward to December 25th, next Sunday, because we too get to look into the manger. And in that same imagination, in that same faith, in that same hope, we want to look into the manger and we want to see this bright, beautiful face just, just looking at us, maybe reaching with his little hands. And that's our Savior. But Advent is not just about looking back or celebrating today, Advent is also a day that gives us a warning and that gives us a call to look forward. To look forward because that baby that came to die is coming to reign. That baby that would be the king of all kings is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And we look forward to the day when, where angels, archangels, and all the hosts of heaven are going to come announcing the entrance of the king, and every heart will turn to him, and every knee will bow down, and every voice, and every word, and every mouth will confess that he is Lord. And so we're looking in Advent. We don't just look back, or we look to a 25th of December. We look forward we look forward to the day when we will look into the face, not of a baby, but of our Lord, of our Savior, of our God. And so we look forward. And so Advent is such a rich, rich season. Such a, a beautiful, beautiful time. And I want to speak to you a little bit today about that word, joy. That word, joy. 
And I want to say to you that joy is the fuel. Joy is the gasoline. Joy is the energy. Joy is the fuel that brightens our journey. Joy was brought this wise man to the, to the West. Joy is what brought those parents to Bethlehem. Joy is what brought the heavens to come and sing. Joy is what brought the shepherds. Joy is the fuel that energizes our journeys in life. Joy is the fuel that brightens our journey as we ourselves follow the star. And I want to say two things about joy. One thing is that we need joy for the journey. We need joy for the journey. Because some of our journeys are not easy. And all I would want to do is ask you to remember sometimes in your life where your journeys have been very, very difficult. Maybe not even recent times, but just consider the journeys of your life. I want you to remember the times of tears. The times when you don't think you could take another step. The time when some of you might have been saying, Come, Lord Jesus, take me home now. I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. I want us to consider not only those journeys on our own lives, but to consider the journeys of others that have gone through extremely difficult and sad and hard moments. Joy is the fuel that brightens that journey, that brings a light into that darkness that brings a hope into those tears. Joy. Joy for the journey, no matter how difficult it can be, no matter how difficult it has been, joy is something that has allowed us to wake up the next morning with a hope, with an idea, Joy. But to me, joy is not just joy for the journey. I think to me, when I think of joy, joy for what I am going to find and look into at the end of the journey. Not just joy for this journey of life, but what my future is, that joy of finding the baby. When my days in this earth are finished, when my time in this life is done, I know that what is at the end of my journey is my Lord Jesus Christ, and He is the joy above all joys that I may find in life. We live for the joy of that moment, joy that we need for the journey, but joy for the end of the journey when we get to look, just like the Magi at the end of their journey looked into the, the, the manger. Joy like Mary and Joseph when at the end of the journey she gave with pain 
birth to her baby and took her in her arms. That joy, we too will experience that joy. Not just joy for the journey, but joy for the end of the journey. Joy when we look into the presence of our Lord, who came to give us a life that is beyond physical life, that came to give us eternal life, that we may be with him forever. Stephen spoke a little bit at the beginning when he introduced one of the songs. I actually thought he was going to preach my sermon. <laughs> but the reality is that joy is often misunderstood and, and confused with happiness. And he said it right, and I, I would want to say it again, that happiness is a response to circumstances. Happiness is a response to circumstances, and not all circumstances are good circumstances. So happiness also varies. Happiness is momentary. Happiness is circumstantial. One moment we are happy and thrilled and we can't think it's going to get any better. In another moment, that happiness seems to have gone by the wayside and all that's left behind is, is, is pain. Because happiness is circumstantial. It is a response to what's external. It's a response to what's outside of us makes us happy or it doesn't make us happy. And not everything in life makes us happy. But joy, joy is the result of the confidence and assurance that God is with you always, no matter what the circumstances. Joy is knowing that in the darkest moment of your lives, God still says to you, I love you, I am with you, we will walk this together. And there is joy in the presence of the Lord, there is joy in the promises of the Lord, there is joy in knowing that he's got my back, there is joy in the knowledge that my God is for me and no one can be against me. And in the midst of when everything seems dark and lost, I still can look up and say, Lord, I wait on you. You are my joy, not the circumstance. You are the joy for which I live. You are my joy. And in you I will trust. And you I will follow, no matter where life takes me. Amen. Happiness changes. And it has to change. And I don't expect you to be happy all the time. And joy is not a fake smile. Joy is not a fake smile. Just putting on a happy face. Joy is the reality that you know that God is within you. That God loves you no matter what the world says. No matter what this life says. That joy is something that is within you. It's the product of the Holy Spirit reminding you that you are God's son and God's daughter. And you have joy. 
no matter what the circumstances are. The clip said that joy regularly shows up in situations where you least expect it. I want you to look with me at a couple of passages from Scripture and look for the word joy. The first passage I take from Luke chapter 2. It says, Now there were in the same country shepherds, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy. One of the things I want you to realize when you look at all of Scripture is that whenever angels appear, fear comes. But the very next words right after they were afraid will always be, do not be afraid. Do not fear. In this case, the angel appears from heaven, and the shepherds naturally become very concerned. I mean, this is not something we've seen before. This is heavens entering the earthly realm. And this being appears and tells us, is going to speak to us, and he says, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy. Good news of a great joy. And then immediately tells the, the, the shepherds what that joy is. He says, which will be to all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly, the whole of heavens come to throw a party for that joyful moment. For Jesus is the joy of the world. That baby was the, the good news. That baby was the joy for all people. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I mean, heaven was entering to declare the joy of the Lord and to bring joy to bring the joy of the Lord upon the people that would receive that baby. Second passage of Scripture I want you to, to consider is what James, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, wrote as he began his letter. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, one of the things I want you to see, fear, joy. Trials, joy. Joy seems to be the overriding principle over fear, the overriding principle over trials. Now, trials are going to happen. None of us will be exempt. But what James is saying is to see the trials as moments of joy in which the Lord is going to show up. Because those trials are going to result in you maturing in the, in the Lord. 
without, let me read it to you, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. How many of you would like to lack nothing? How many of you would like to have completeness and full maturity? You won't have it unless you go through the trials. The trials is what matures us. The trials is what strengthens our spine. The trials is what shows up our faith and matures our faith and equips us with faith because as God has been in the past, God will be in the future. He does not change. So in the midst of any trials, we need to know that we're not alone and we are to look at the trials with joy that somehow God is going to turn this trial into something that will be for my good, that God can use these things. Trial will be superseded by the joy of the Lord and the joy of knowing the presence of the Lord. And then I want to take you back to Matthew and the Magi. Matthew chapter 2, it says, when they, the, the Magi, heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him, gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It just seems to me that anybody associated with the birth of Jesus was full with joy. Anyone, and even after the birth of Jesus, whether it was Hannah or Simeon, whenever they see the baby, they get filled with the Holy Spirit and they start prophesying and they start worshiping and they start praising because anyone that comes to understand who this baby is gets filled with the Holy Spirit and with joy. And then I want to show you something that Paul wrote in Romans. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not about comfortableness. The kingdom of God is not about having everything we ever had wanted and now God's going to give it to us. It's not about drinking. It's not about eating. The kingdom of God is about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then I want to say to you that the gift of the Spirit includes joy. And it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to say to you that if the Holy Spirit is with you, the Holy Spirit is in you, you will overflow with joy. Joy is part of the package. 
Joy comes with the Spirit of the living God. Joy assures you that you are loved. Joy assures you that you have the Spirit. Joy assures you that He has a plan for you and that you're not alone in the journey. The fruit of the Spirit of God, the manifestation that the Spirit is present, is love and joy and peace and gentleness and patience and all of those things that come with it. Now hear me. The truth is that the church and the world in which we live suffers from a lack of old-fashioned, simple-hearted, spirit-flowing Christian joy. I'm not talking just about the world. I'm talking about Christians. We suffer sometimes from the lack of joy in the Lord. And there's something that I want to call synthetic joy. Sometimes we pay more attention to momentary joys or we look for things to bring us joy that are just passing. They're synthetic. They're not in the Lord. What I call synthetic joys. The joy of thinking that you are in control. Look, there's nothing more synthetic than the idea the selfishness that sometimes is in us. The self-centeredness that sometimes is in us, where we think we are in control, where we want to be in control, where we can ignore what God has to say because I know the way, and it's my life, and it's my body, and it is my way, and I'm going to do it my way. If I'm in control, I will find the pot of gold of joy. Let me tell you, I've been there. When I wanted to do things my own way, because I wanted to do whatever it pleased me, and all I did, I, I was sinking myself deeper and deeper into the worst moments of my life. Because I was looking for synthetic joys, momentary joys. And the farther I went and the more I ignored to listen to other people or even want to read Scripture or not even pray to God because I knew what He was going to say to me, the more I run away from that, the deeper I went into a hole that was the most depressing hole I have ever been in my life. It was only when I cried out, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. I want to return to righteousness. I want to return to what is right. I want to return to your ways that I found the peace and the joy that changes my life. There's nothing more synthetic then you thinking you're in control. The reality is that you can control very little about your life. You can control some things, but you cannot control the major things of your life. You cannot control them. Jesus said you can't even count the, the hairs on your head. I'm getting closer to knowing how many I have. 
but I still don't know. The reality, the reality is that I don't know why we think we can produce joy without God. Joy without the Spirit. Self-control. Selfishness. You know, in our country, we are redefining morality. We're redefining morality by changing laws to make what is immoral in the eyes of God normal to the country. And it's just sinking us deeper and deeper because it'll never satisfy us. We'll want the next change and the next change and the next change until we will be in a hole deeper than we can ever imagine. And every big empire of the world has collapsed by its own weight, not by external forces. By its own immoral ways where the people no longer care to defend their way of life. Morality is what the Lord says. And any change of love to make the immoral moral is synthetic. It's synthetic because at the end of the days, when the Lord comes in glory, He will set everything right, and no amount of loss or change laws are going to make any difference. Synthetic joys. You want a more synthetic joy than the amount of alcohol that we use in our nation? And that goes for Christians as well as non-Christians. How many people are medicating their pains and medicating their, their, their lack of joys by drinking themselves? You know how many families have been destroyed because of alcohol? You know how many millions of dollars are spent every year in our country by alcohol? Synthetic joys. And let's talk a little bit about drugs. And I'm not talking about illegal drugs. I'm talking about all the legal drugs that doctors medicate us and that we want more and more, and we're constantly taking drugs. And some people, some of us perhaps, over-medicate ourselves with drugs because otherwise we can't sleep in peace. And we can't handle life if it wasn't for the drugs. And it's easy for a doctor to take your money and write you a prescription. And then there is illegal drugs out there, synthetic joys. That's all they are, synthetic joys. Pornography. You can't get more synthetic than pornography. If you think pornography will bring you joy, you are wronger than wrong. Pornography just feeds upon your weakness, and it's of the devil to destroy you and control you. Pornography is purely synthetic. It doesn't give you what you're looking for. It doesn't give you intimacy. It doesn't give you love. It leads you deeper and deeper into a hole that is hard to come out of. Synthetic joys. 
the way we deal with the economy, the way we deal with the billions of dollars that are spent, and I'm not against giving gifts and receiving gifts, but just consider the syntheticness of how much of your hard-earned money is in commercialism during Christmas or Easter or the, the different holidays. Sometimes we think that the more we have, the more joy we're going to have. Synthetic joys. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord, you don't have to buy it. The Lord of the joy has already been purchased for you. The joy of the Lord is in one person, Jesus Christ, who saves you for eternity. That There's nothing synthetic about the love of God or the hope in God or the faith in God. Joy, the joy of the Lord is with you because you know what's at the end of the rainbow. You know what's at the end of the journey. You know and it's waiting for you. And your inheritance in heaven is not corruptible. And your inheritance in heaven, no one can steal it. Your inheritance in heaven is secured in the person of Jesus Christ. There's nothing synthetic about joy in the Lord. It is the fuel that helps us wake up each day. It is the fuel that helps us be everything God calls us to be. It is the energy for life. It is the energy for faith. It is the energy for discipleship. It is the energy that God wants us to know. Let me conclude or let me give you one more passage of Scripture from Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. Rejoice. Let me say it again, says Paul. Rejoice. The Lord is at hand. Find your joy in Christ. Find your joy in the security of the promises of God. That joy will accompany you in your journey in life, and it will be the joy that is waiting for you when you look into the face of your Lord one day, and He says to you, Come, come, my servant. Come into the joy of your Master. Joy is to be found in the promises of God because we know in whom we have believed. Paul says that, I know in whom we have believed and I know that my deposit is secured. So our joy is found in the Lord no matter what the circumstances are. We find joy in the Lord. Joy must be found in Jesus Christ alone your Savior, your Lord. I also want to say to you that joy is also an issue of attitude. If you have a very negative attitude, it'll be very difficult for you at times to find the joy, even though there's enough reason all around you to have joy, because every circumstance has treasures in it 
Even I repeat to you what James says, find it all joy when you go through tribulations. Everything we go through has marvelous things that God is doing through that, even though we don't like going through it. So look for the treasure in your journey. God is present with you in that journey. And find joy in the Lord. Joy and pain sometimes can coexist. Joy and pain can coexist. But you can have joy in the midst of the pain, knowing that you're not alone. Joy brings relationship and connection with others. And, and I want to say this to you. I, I, if I leave you with one thing, is this. Joy leads to worship. But worship also leads to joy. So there may be times when you feel that you are down and out three counts. I say, come to church and worship. Joy is going to return right back to you. When you worship the Lord, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. There are people, when they're going through the most difficult times of life, they walk away from church. That's the worst thing you can do. You want the joy? Come and worship with brothers and sisters. Come and ask for prayer. Joy leads to worship, and worship leads to joy. So if you are joyful today, worship the Lord and give Him glory. And if you are down today, worship the Lord and receive the joy of His presence. Today is joy. It's a day of joy. And so, there's one, there's one thing Paul says that I, I've always been blessed by. He says, he's, he, he's writing in one of his letters, and he says that the people are his joy and the crown in his head. And that's, I've always marveled about that. But I want to say to you that you're my joy. You're my brothers and sisters. We walk this journey together. And when the Lord comes, the greatest joy in my life is to say, Lord, here's Stephen. Here's Jenny. Here's Odore. They're your people. We served you together. The joy will be to present this congregation to the Lord, knowing that we have done everything we can to be who God has called us to be. And that is the joy at the end of the journey that no one will be able to take from us. Amen. Amen.